Welcome to DMs of Vancouver, the show where we talk to our awesome friends and amazing guests about how to help you become a better GM for your tabletop games or to review games that we've played recently from a GM and a player perspective. I'm Jesse Boros, and my pronouns are he, him. And I'm Sean Hagen, and my pronouns are also he, him. We are co-hosts for this podcast, and we've got another great episode for you. This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. And today we're going to be talking about worldwide wrestling. No guest, though. Yeah, no, no guest this time, so just a pause while we figure out what to say. <laughs> we hope you enjoy the show. Roll for initiative, or whatever it is in this game. <laughs> you know, that's actually a good question. Um, but uh, to start us off, so Worldwide Wrestling is a game written by Nathan Paletta of NDP Design. Uh, you can find the website at ndpdesign.com slash www.rpg is the site, uh, the URL for the game specifically. Uh, it was published in 2015 with a supplement called International Incident, published in 2018. And uh, they've since put out a second edition. I think both the first version, the first edition and the second edition were both kickstarted. And from what I can tell, the second edition is basically taking the core rulebook of the first edition, the uh, International Incident Supplement, combining it into a single book and apparently streamlining the rules and just making everything more clear and making it easier to just get straight into running the game. Uh, cool. Which I am curious about because that is one of my complaints about the, the first edition. Okay, so we played the first edition then. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the as a, to a little bit further start us off, the description of the game is uh, Worldwide Wrestling is a game that creates professional wrestling pageantry and action. It's about feuds, championships, betrayal, and righteous victory. It's about the clash of good and evil on the grandest stage. It's about whether you've got what it takes. And in the end, it's about what the audience thinks of your efforts so it's a game where you play as wrestlers uh and the the game master plays as uh it's called creative in for this game uh you're the person who books all the matches and figures out you're basically scripting an episode of a wrestling show is the the conceit behind the game for the the game master. yeah in my experience it's a fun game that you that when shortly after you start playing you realize oh i wish we had another player <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the the when we played and actually this has been the thing both times is that this is a game that because of the nature the nature of the game is that you're you're setting up uh wrestling matches so like for the most part you're setting up 1v1 matches um you can set up things like tag team matches and free-for-alls and stuff like that but the kind of one you fall back on the most are 1v1 matches and when you only have three players which was the the case both times i've run it uh it becomes pretty clear like both times as the gm i'm like oh i need to create some uh they called npcs uh npws because they're non-player wrestlers uh, i have to create some npws to fill out the roster because uh otherwise this uh this episode of this wrestling show is going to be half an hour long because there's only so many ways you can combine three people into 1v1 matches yeah well so, and in this case it was really two right because it was me and talia playing we didn't have a third player right yes that that is correct yeah so you can play uh like this is a game that you probably like you could play a a one-on-one like gm and player but it is uh i think if there if there wasn't a bucket before for a a tabletop game suited for parties there is now this is that game oh yeah uh, it's uh because because the nice thing about it is that um when you're in a match and it's 1v1 the the players who are not in the match uh like as creative you can assign one of them to be the announcer so if there's somebody who really knows who's like familiar with wrestling and how the matches get announced and is good at color commentary you can have them be the announcer and the gm can just sit back and like adjudicate rules decisions which is a something i love but um it means that like the players who aren't taking part if they don't want to pay attention to the match they don't really have to but if they really want to pay attention 
there's actually a uh, something that they can do, which is the move is literally called, uh, I think it's just run in. And it's the move where like somebody who's not booked to be in the match can just interrupt and become part of the match. And I think that's really cool, but it, it kind of points to like, you know, you need to have enough players at the table to kind of take advantage of some of those mechanics that are built into the game. Yeah, that was definitely a challenge in the game we played in that, like, because Talia and I were both also acting out the WPCs a lot of the time. You, we, It's hard to do a run-in because you're also now playing this other character. Yeah, and... Um... So I think we can let's go over the, the the system and the and the characters and whatnot before we kind of get more into the gripes that we've yeah. got with the game. I, so I, I do want to make clear that I enjoyed playing it and I think it's a good system. I think we just did not play the optimal way to play it, which is yeah, with yeah. more people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so it's a it's a powered by the apocalypse system, which is it's two d six plus a stat for all but one of the roles that you make in the game. Uh, and because it's powered by the apocalypse, there is total and partial success as well as failure, uh, yes. which I am a big fan of. And the one thing is that the game does have a nice list of uh, things that you can do when a player uh, part gets a partial success as well as a failure. So it gives you examples of what happens in each of those instances, which is, uh, always handy because I remember when I was first getting into these kind of total partial success and failure that that middle area is like oh what does it mean for partial success you know coming from a game like D and D um, the players also have a resource that they can spend which is called momentum uh, which they gain mostly through using the special moves on their character sheet um, and they can spend that to give their role a bonus but what's interesting compared to uh, other systems where if you have something you can spend to give yourself a bonus usually in my experience you have to spend it before but the rule book for worldwide wrestling specifically states that you can spend it after you roll so if you roll and you're like oh that's only a partial su- success well i've got five momentum handy i'm going to spend two to make it a total success which i think uh is an elegant way to handle what is kind of a cooperative game yeah or not kind of, it's a cooperative game. Yeah, and it's it, yeah. We'll get into that a little bit more. I made a point of it later in, in our in the show notes that I put together. But like, I would say like ninety five percent of the game, like it's not really PvP. It's it's two people telling a story about wrestlers on TV doing a wrestling match. Yeah, um, yeah. You largely <laughs> decide what's going to happen before you do it. Yeah. Um, so. The only move that doesn't use a stat is the match ending finishing move, which is something that uh, like the concept of when a match is over is something I'll get into a little bit later. But um, because it's uh, the only move that doesn't use doesn't have a stat associated with it, so there's no bonus. They specifically point out in the in the in the rule book that the finishing move is a good reason to save momentum if you're if you're doing well or like if you're not sure if you should spend momentum or not, like you have to keep in mind, like I might need this momentum so that my finishing move uh, is like even maybe just a partial success if you roll badly. Um, But I think one of the things that I like specifically about the powered by the apocalypse system and the fact that it's 2d6 is that it's not quite as swingy as, uh, as 1d20. Because, you know, 1d20, you have like the kind of this whole range where it, every number on the dice is just as likely as every other one, uh, as long as you're playing with a dice that, you know, is still somewhat balanced and you haven't <laughs> worn down the edges from years and years of playing. Um, but with 2d6, it's more often that you're going to land in that partial success zone. So uh having this momentum that you can spend to like get yourself out of there when you really want to i think is a is a good touch yeah one of the things i like about the general 2d6 systems is that like there tends usually to be like less skills and stuff associated with it so like if you can do four things or six things you really focus on the thing you want to be good at and it it makes um since it's less swinging and you tend to land in the middle section it can make it like really effective to be like yes i am the best at jumping from the ropes 
these are the points I put into it. When I try and jump from the ropes, this is not an actual stat in the game, but if I try and jump from the ropes, I will most of the time be successful or at least mostly successful. Yeah. Um, so I think this is fairly similar to other Powered by the Apocalypse game because I have uh, Monster of the Week and I it, it's been a while since I've looked at that book, but it from what I remember, it's fairly similar where each uh, in nor- in powered by the apocalypse their playbooks in world worldwide wrestling it's uh their gimmicks they're what kind of wrestler are you um but uh oh really quickly i'm gonna go back because one of the because there's a bunch of core moves that are shared by all of the players uh and some of that is like uh, one of them is called break kayfabe and kayfabe is such an interesting concept in wrestling and it's it's one of those ones that's a little hard to explain to people who aren't really familiar with wrestling but at the same time it's sometimes such an intuitive thing, which is that like kayfabe is the idea that wrestlers, when they are on stage or on camera, even they're acting as if everything is real. Like, you know, they're always on basically. And breaking kayfabe is a move because like, you know, maybe a wrestler just really doesn't like another guy and is, uh, you know, another wrestler in the ring and, you know, they're going to actually pin them and like try to win this match because they just, you know they don't like them their dog pooped on their their lawn the other day and they just want to get back at them or something i don't know but it's it's an interesting concept and the fact that they've baked it in as one of the moves i think is funny but and one if of your sorry just just related if you're interested in kayfabe as a concept uh divorced from wrestling we have an episode that's kind of on that with uh d about oh, the right. dm evil dm kayfabe right yes that is a very good point, and I should have remembered that, but ah, my memory is terrible. You um, have a document that you have to look at and focus on. I don't, so <laughs> I can remember things. Yeah. Uh, so one of the moves, and this is kind of one of my problems with the rules as they're laid out in the first edition rulebook, is that some of the, the, the moves are referenced or explained uh a couple of times in the book. And I feel like this is, I don't know if this is like an editing problem or a writing problem, or just it's a layout thing that they just couldn't figure out a way to, to solve this problem. But a lot of the, the moves that you can do, they're referenced several times or they'll have like, this is something that uh, I've seen a lot of RPG rule books do is they'll have little sections. That's like, they're telling a story of like a couple of players sitting down and playing and they talk about like, Oh, you're using run in. So you're going to roll to see if you, uh, to to make it in and actually manage to interrupt or oh you're cutting a promo so tell us how you're you're you know doing this uh because cutting a promo is basically like those moments when you know a wrestler is backstage and talking and like dissing the wrestler they're about to fight or stuff like that um but the core move that you use throughout a match is simply just called wrestling and the it's referenced several t- a couple of times in the rules but the only place that you can find it is in the list of moves towards the end of the book like literally it's the last thing before the glossary and it's Ooh. not fully explained anywhere else that is and that is some bad like layout design <laughs> yeah and it, and it's uh, i think the fact that it was only there is why because, and now that I've read it and I actually read through the move, things make a lot more sense about this game because the thing that like that goes hand in hand with that is the way that control is passed from player to player and how because this wrestling move is core to the game and ba- baked into that is how control passes back and forth between players and that's the only place it's really explained like they make reference in one in another place. Like I actually searched through the rules because I've got the PDF for pass, and there's it's in the the rules like four places, and three of them are ref the other like the first three are just referencing the move, and in in a very but in a vague way, because basically what happens is, uh, you have a bunch of moves that you can do, and some of the the special moves will dictate if you fail, you pass control. So that's pretty clear like if you're using a special move that's just that's part of just your gimmick and you fail well now the other person's in control that makes sense but the fact that like in the wrestling move it's stated that like yeah if you fail on this role 
control passes back because that's something that messed that I was messing up both times I've run this game because it wasn't well explained that if you fail a wrestling move and I think I house ruled it both times and chalk this up to I don't know reading comprehension or just this book isn't well laid out but the fact that I had to house rule it both times and it turned out that the house rule is the actual rule just <laughs> feels bad like yeah. it doesn't make me feel good as a gm about my competency running games like we both have a lot of problems with the big fantasy rpg but one thing you can say about it is that like all of the skills and stats are explained early in the book yeah um so yeah between so there's there's the wrestling move which if you fail control passes there's uh special moves that if you fail it'll say in the move like you pass control and then there's also players can interrupt to take control and to do that you have to spend momentum um and this is the one place where like everything else feels like you're two like the two players are telling a story about this wrestling match the interrupt move is the only one to me that feels like a PvP mechanic and not a storytelling mechanic. Yeah. Well, so. see, that's tough. I, I would say that's like a yes and no thing because I think the important thing to always remember is that like we know how the match is supposed to go. So sometimes the interrupt mechanic I feel like is like a, oh, hey, bud, we're just going to get back on track. Well, this is actually something that I, I discovered reading through the rules to get ready for this is that I think that that was something I messed up is I don't think the creative is actually supposed to tell the players who is booked to win. Oh, well, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, it yeah. makes sense either way. I think either way works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so this is, this is, I think one of the things that, so like, for example, one of the sections that like just before it talks about some of the other moves and how they work, this is the section earlier on the rule book that I think why I found it confusing is that this is what it says word for word. Wrestling matches are also handled by the use of moves, featuring a specific method to pass narrative control back and forth among the participants in order to encapsulate the tension and excitement of, I copied something badly because it says of bring, which is not correct. Um, but the fact that, yeah, I, I'm, this is the last thing I can say and then we'll move on, but it's just, it made me feel bad that it felt like, and, and like, this is also me like trying to, you know, most of the time when I read uh, uh, an RPG rulebook is because I want to read enough so that I feel comfortable running uh, a session because most of the time, most of the books I've encountered, that's kind of how they're set up anyways, is that, you know, the first chapter or two tell you how to run the game. And then the rest of it is details, like the fine details of, you know, abilities, maybe spells, equipment, uh, maybe a little bit of GM help in like world building and dungeon building and stuff like that. You know, usually the end of the book is the like extra bits. It's not where you put the like core mechanic. Yeah. The key detail. I feel like you do decide beforehand because I know some um, gimmicks have abilities that allow them to change the outcome of the fight. Yeah. And this is something like from reading through it's I'm still not a hundred percent clear on that. and again this could just be me like trying to speed read through so that i can just get into playing but because it's not super clear it could just be that you know those moves like when you use them creative says oh you know they were booked to win and now you can you can use that move to change it like i'd have to reread these rules again and and i think honestly i think part of this is kind of my problem with pdfs for rule books is that i find it a lot easier to sit down on the couch and read an actual book because i like whether it's on a laptop or a tablet or on like on a desktop i just something about a pdf on screen doesn't have the same i guess being able to flip back back and forth to like go back and reference something really quick is makes it easier for me to ingest a rule book yeah and Otherwise, having to have the the document open like five times so that I can reference different things is maybe part of why I had trouble ingesting this rule set. I mean, I could see that. I know sometimes what I find really helpful when I'm reading a rule book is being able to stick my finger in a page that I think will be important yeah. and be able to just reference back to it. Yeah. 
and I think that's probably true for for a lot of people. Um, well, anyway, I think for us that's a generational thing. Where like at school, most of our like reading that was actually for research or for analyzing an English class or whatever was physical. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's I find it kind of funny though because in my in my day job as a programmer, like. 99% of the documentation I read is online, but I guess because it was written to be online, it's done in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, moving on. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse, um, it's quite a bit different from the world's biggest RPG in the fact that it doesn't really have classes. It has playbooks, or in this game, they're called gimmicks. And basically each gimmick is kind of a custom character sheet uh so like for example the very first one in the in the rules uh which you the one nice thing that i like about this is that you can download the list of gimmicks uh as a pdf for free from i don't 100 quote me on that though but you can download it from the website to just have and print off so that you can get have copies to hand out to your players oh nice um, yeah um and I and I almost kind of wish that the list of gimmicks wasn't in the main rulebook because it because the thing with having a system like this is that you don't have a single character sheet. Each gimmick is a custom character sheet for that class. Mm. So if you have like ten gimmicks, I think is however many are in the the core rules, then that's a bunch of pages that are in the rulebook that are just kind of taking up space, I guess. But anyways. Uh, my minor quibble about about the rule book but uh so yeah sorry i think it's one of those things where like we're making the assumption that people have printers true yeah that is that is that is very true or they have the money to be able to like print it off even you know cheaply at the library it can still be a whole thing yeah uh, but you are correct yeah um so the thing that is shared by so like the sections on the gimmick sheet are shared by all of the gimmicks so like it has uh so for example the very first gimmick is the anti-hero and the description is you're the badass that everyone loves whether you're sticking it to the man or telling it like it is the audience identifies with your rejection of conformity and uh it, it provides a picture that uh, if you if you have the the, there's two versions of the PDF, which I really like because one of them is in color, but the other one is in black and white, but it's not black and white in a way that's like, oh, they just, you know, put a grayscale filter on the color version. Like, no, it's a version that like, if you printed it off, you could color it in nicely. Ah, um, yeah. And so uh, some of the sections that like kind of don't really like play into how your character works is they have a, a hailing from which gives you some examples of like where you might be from along with just elsewhere they have an entrance which like loud and flashy or down home and gritty or silent and serious and then a box for something else so you can just put in your own and then a section to put in your name and look so you can like describe what your character looks like which feels kind of weird when like the center of the page is taken up by the image of their example wrestler um but uh i guess there's only so much you can do but uh they have the, the section for stats and the interesting thing about uh i think this is how all powered by the apocalypse games work is that uh so for worldwide wrestling there's four stats there's look power real and work and just above that in the stat block it tells you you start with uh so for the anti-hero starts with zero look minus two power plus one real minus one work and then you add one to one stat. So it gives you like your starting stats is this, and then you get to modify them. You get to add one to one of those stats. And each gimmick has a different starting stat block, which I think is a really interesting way of doing things. It's not like, oh, you start with, you know, minus two in, in your four stats and here's a bunch of points to buy. It's like, no, if you're going to play this gimmick, these are your stats. Um, and uh, you get to pick a starting role uh, and you get to, so you get to pick either baby face or heel, which is good guy or bad guy. And you get to, uh, if depending on which one you choose, there's a move associated with that role you get to choose. And uh, there's an advanced role that you gain via advances, which is basically how you level up, which is celebrity icon or legend. So either you've gained fame outside the ring, 
every or you embody your style of wrestling or the audience will never forget you. Uh, and one of the last things on the first page is is heat and heat is used uh, in some of the moves like it, I think mostly moves that deal with like I think cutting a promo like when you're dissing another wrestler and stuff like that uh, you gain heat with specific other wrestlers so if you're playing with a table of of six people like I could have heat with Jesse's character, but not have any heat with Haley's character. So if I'm in a match with Haley's character, I might be at a little bit of a disadvantage because I don't have that heat bonus to roles I make against her character. Um, and the way that you gain heat, I like, is is that you on your sheet, there is a list of questions. And some of the questions, I think, are shared among the sheets, but for the most part, they're unique to each gimmick. And it's questions like, who did I have to kick the shit out of to show how badass I am? And you do this as part of your session zero. And so like you all sit down, everybody chooses which gimmick they want to play. And the one constraint is that no two people can use the same gimmick, which is fine. They have like 10 or 12 in the base game and a whole bunch more in international incident. And I think they might've released a, a subset of a few more, but so you sit down and like, I will ask that question. And then one of the other players will say, I think that fits my wrestler. And then we talk about, you know, how that, like, why, you know, I kicked the shit out of you. Why did I have to do that? And like, why did that, did that show how badass I am? And then you write down, okay, I plus one heat with this wrestler. And then you go around the table and you keep doing that until everybody has asked the four heat questions on their sheet. I like that a lot. Um, and I think we've talked about something like this in this show before. I think I had played Fate for the first time recently, and I was like, I want to steal this character building mechanic where you're like, tell me something about your relationship to the player beside you. I like that this is like really finely tuned to fit wrestling as a thing. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just being kind of general. I think it's a really yeah. good idea. I think it's I think it's a really elegant bit of character building. Yeah, the... The one downside to it is that it's not like some other systems where a player can, you know, if they know they're playing in a one shot, they can generate a character at home and then uh, bring that character to a table or to uh, their local gaming store or whatever. But the flip side is that character creation in this game is pick gimmick, fill in stats, sit down, do the heat questions. Like there's not a lot to it yeah you and, can choose also an ability or something like that but like yeah so that's the the next part is that on the back of the character sheet uh it has your unique moves so i think every wrestler gets a finishing move which is uh it's pretty much the same for everybody you roll 2d6 and a 10 10 plus your finisher is good you total success gain plus one audience and blah 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 and then there's also usually uh depending on the the gimmick four so i think some of them might have more but f a couple of custom moves so like for example the uh one of the custom moves for the anti-hero is mouth of the people when you speak truth to power roll plus audience so like you know if you're playing as like a, a wrestler inspired by rage against the machine then you would want to pick the anti-hero and this is a move that you could do whenever you you know you're playing up you know being a rebel against the government or whatever um and uh the rest of the sheet is is fairly straightforward there's an injury track because for the most part the moves that you do like with the wrestling and whatnot you don't get injured um but there is a chance for some moves um, where you can get injured or you can accidentally injure somebody else. Because remember, it's wrestling. There's kayfabe. You're not actually wrestling. You're not supposed to hurt each other, but it is a possibility, um, which I think is an interesting twist. Um, and then the last thing really is the the audience, which is a, a thing that you gain uh, when you pull off certain moves. Um, and to... Uh, the reason that you keep track of audience, it goes from zero to plus four. And uh, when you hit plus four audience, you get an advancement, which means that you are able to uh, upgrade your character. That's basically leveling up is an advancement. And so you start with plus one audience and then you keep track of it throughout the match or throughout your season, uh, your campaign. And whenever you hit plus four, uh, 
or if uh, if you gain a championship belt or you end a feud satisfactorily, you get an advancement. And I don't know if it's the same for all of the gimmicks, but um, my experience from looking from powered by the uh, powered by the apocalypse and specifically monster of the week is that it's it's fairly similar. Like it's not really a system where you're meant to go from level one to level twenty. Uh, not that everybody ever does that, um, but it's a you know you, it's a game where you can sit down and you start with a character who has pretty much everything that they're ever going to have. You can gain a little bit from advancements, and it might make you a little bit better at doing certain things. But you're not going to go from you know village bumpkin to champion savior of the universe. You're you're a wrestler. You're good at wrestling. I uh, like. This is the thing that I kind of like about the Powered by the Apocalypse system with the 2d6 is that a plus one in one stat does go a long way. Yeah. So, like, it does, like, it gives a, uh, I guess not because this isn't built around failure the same way some of the other ones are, but it does give you an advantage if you're doing well as a wrestler. It You start to like get better you in a way you continue it's another way that momentum kind of works right yeah if you do all the stuff you're supposed to do successfully you get you become better yeah and uh so yeah that's that's pretty much all there is to being a player in the game um and so like i i think i asked a little bit about this after we we played and i asked the previous players when i i ran it for for work like Oh God, like three years ago, like right when I started at my current job, practically. Um, but as a, as a player, what can you remember? Cause it was back in November. What is, what can you remember about your experience being a player in worldwide wrestling? I mean, we already talked about the wishing there were more players, which is like, it's, it's actually a weird feeling to have for me at like a tabletop tale. Cause like, I'm so used to the big fantasy game that, uh, where like I'm like I don't really want more than two or three players. I often have them, but like it often feels like it works better when you're running a leaner group. Yeah. So it was interested to interesting to be in the kind of opposite situation where we were like, ah, this is a good game, but we're just not we're not we don't have the right setup for it. Yeah. Like playing Settlers of Catan with only two people. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I, I liked how a lot of the narrative stuff worked together. Um, I do think it's a game I would have preferred playing for the first time not on stream. Yeah. Um, partially just because, like, there's some stuff that I wasn't, like, ready for <laughs> with my character. Um, that, like, if I was just at a table, it wouldn't have bothered me. But, I, like, knowing that, like, someone could be watching and I was like, how how promo? How, <laughs> how cut promo? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it is a game that i think i mean not everybody's going to be running it on a stream but it is a game that i think if you're going to be playing it with people who aren't familiar with wrestling um that you allocate a little bit more time for your first session uh than you would for players who are like super familiar with other role-playing games because yeah you have to like the first time that somebody's going to cut a promo or because like we're going to start talking about the creative, the GM role in a second, but like the main thing that they do at the start, like after you've, after the characters have gone through their heat questions, the rules literally say like, ask your players for like 10 minutes while you finish setting up the rest of the episode. And what you do as creative is that you, like I did this beforehand because we were on stream, but you're meant to like take a moment and figure out, okay, you're trying to set up a, one to two hour episode so you know maybe you start with uh one of the players getting interviewed out in the parking lot and then you're going to have a one-on-one between these two players and then there's going to be a backstage moment between these two players and like you go through and you set up all of these like 15 minute to half hour depending on how long a match runs you set up all of these segments so that like everybody gets a chance to shine and you uh, get to show off those rivalries that were set up when the players were answering their heat questions. And and then you come back and against like, part of that, if it's a match, like you choose like, okay, Dan and Rob are going to have a match and Rob is going to win this because I'm creative. And I think that's going to be the most interesting way to play this because, you know, Dan won the last few matches. And now if Rob wins, then like, you know, you get to like plan that TV drama in advance. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Something what it says in the rules is that 
Creative makes plans and book storylines, but the actions and agendas of the wrestlers will alter or quote unquote swerve creative's plans. The primary job is to take those swerves and incorporate them into the game in such a way as to make it look like it was planned that way all along, which is literally all GMing is, I think, at the end of the day. Like, I plan to do that, but it's it's weird that some of the moves specifically say you, you get to change the the result of the match, and the rules are also saying you have to play it like you meant that all along. Like, it's, it's just a weird dichotomy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like the primary duty duties, and I like that it spells this out is celebrate and challenge the players, make it, make it look like you'd planned it that way all along and entertain the imaginary viewing audience. So the fact that like, it puts you into this mindset of like, you are a, you know, creative director for director for a wrestling show. You're trying to, you know, create drama. Um, and something that I, I remember hearing once was that like, wrestling is just a soap drama like a soap opera where uh rather than you know player the characters just slapping each other they actually wrestle um <laughs> which is a good way to explain it i think um but i think the thing that tripped me up and it's tripped me up both times i've run it and uh is that like how like where it comes ending a match so like in the rules it says it's generally your call when the match ends based on its place on the card and your sense of narrative pacing uh but there are a couple there's i think one hard trigger for ending the match which is all the players are out of momentum um and it says like when you're ready announce who's booked to win the match so i guess like you could figure it out beforehand which to me makes more sense because like you know ahead of time that you book these two players because you know they they their two characters have a lot of drama because they've you know had a bunch of previous matches and it's been this like hard fought victory every time but you know it's getting close to the championship bout and you want this one to win so that you know reasons so deciding as you're running a match i can see how that would work but again like you said it kind of goes against some of the character moves in that they need to know if they're booked to win for them to even want to use that move yeah it's interesting and you know i i might be misremembering the character things but i'm pretty sure that was a thing in one of them well i guess it it does explain it i guess i should have kept going a few sentences several moves have the potential to override creative's booking if a player ends up making one of these moves whatever outcome they narrate becomes the finish instead of what you had planned so within a couple of sentences it it contradicts itself because it says, you know, when you're ready, announce who's booked to win the match. I get, well, I guess, I guess that's how, maybe how it works. They're just not really clear about it is that, you know, there's the match has been going for like 20 minutes or so. And you feel that like narratively it's reached its, its uh, climax. And you're like, okay, we're going to come to the end of the match now. And Bob is meant to win this match. And at that point, a player can be like, I'm going to use this move to change that. Hmm. So, it's in the rules, but I guess like the things that are repeated and the things that are not is I guess where I've run into issues with this is that like the two key things of how does how does control pass back and forth and how do you determine who ends the match are mentioned in like one place in the book and not really expanded on. And yeah, I'm trying not to sound too much like this is a huge problem because i i really enjoyed this game i run i loved running it it's just i could see how the layout and how these rules are set up could be a huge obstacle to somebody new to the system or new to just running games period yeah i mean like hopefully the second edition solves a lot of those problems yeah it's it's impossible for us to know at this point right yeah and i think i mean Maybe after I've run a bunch of the other games that I've got, I will take a look at the second edition to see, or maybe I'll just go searching online for reviews of second edition, see what people have to say, because there's got to be people who have had run into these same issues. And, uh, and if they say that the second edition solves a lot of these, then awesome. But if they don't, then... Or alternatively, uh, DMV reviews second edition worldwide wrestling aka worldwide wrestling the revenge of dmv <laughs> or something yeah that is something we can do in a little while but i want to check out some of the other games that i've got oh first. yeah so many other games so yeah that's that's kind of everything that i wanted to go over 
for for this game like at the end of the day it's it's enjoyable it's fun to run um it's something that i encountered both times a little bit more when i was running it for you and talia than for the other group and i part of it probably was that we were doing it on stream so putting you on the spot a little bit more but getting players into the mindset of narrating what they're doing and not just i'm going to use a wrestling move because like one of the resources that you can find is this pdf that has these kind of neatly drawn little examples of a bunch of different different wrestling moves like the the Boston crab and, you know, a power slam. And it like shows you what all these moves are. That was very helpful. Yeah. And I think the thing that can be hard to wrap your head around is that it's not like, you know, other games where, you know, I'm going to attack with my sword and that's your thing. When you do the wrestling move, you can say like, I'm going to, you know, throw them against the ropes and then clothesline them and then go and put them into a Boston crab and try and, you know, and do that thing. And and then the the creative will say, okay, cool, roll wrestling to do all of that, like to try and accomplish that. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, go go ahead. I think it's important to like the describing what you're doing in that way as a player is important because depending on like the broad genre of move you're using different stats. So yeah, because, because that's the thing is that it in the rules in the, in the wrestling section uh, for the wrestling move, because it's all about wrestling, the wrestling move, it states that um, for that move, you can use any one of the four stats and you don't really have to give a reason. But like if your best stat is look, then when you use a wrestling move, then you can lean into that and say like, yeah, I'm I'm going to like really, f you know, after I clothesline him and before I go in to try and, you know, put him in a hold, I, you know, you know, big thumbs up and a huge smile to all my fans cheering out in the audience. And then I go and try and put them in a hole. Like you work that stat into how you're explaining the wrestling move. Um, but just that, cause it's, it is something that I notice is that it's hard to kind of pull players out of their shell out of the, just I'm using this move into narrating what they're doing. And some, some players and groups are better at it than others because some groups are used to playing more narrative style games. It's just, it can be a little bit tricky. And so I will mention that I'm not going to say up front because it's, we're 47 minutes in. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you are used to playing the big fantasy game and you're looking to branch out, it might not be the best first choice, uh, especially because like the game, because of the framing, like extra kind of reinforces like, telling uh like presenting a show is the same as telling a story but like it's almost like a double layer of it within the narrative and the mechanics whereas yeah. something like monster of the week is not quite that so it's yeah. a bit it's a bit easier to to get into first i think yeah um but yeah so i i enjoyed it and it uh, i'm not going to speak for you but the other players that i've played with have said that they enjoyed it um i mostly enjoyed it yeah i think not playing it on stream for the first time like maybe having played it once before would have been a very good idea um i i do i do think that because one of the interesting things about this this system and this the wrestling version of powered by the apocalypse in specific is that because character creation is so easy and it is the whole conceit of the game is that you are um, creating an episode of a wrestling show i really do think that it could be fun to it's a kind of game that i feel would lend itself really well to an actual play but i really don't know because it it could be really tricky i think an actual play miniseries yeah like just like six episodes because Something that I, I pulled uh, when we did the, I think I did it both times I've run the game, is that Shut Up and Sit Down, by the way, has a great video of four of them playing through a session. And one of the things that, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who played the, was the GM, the the setup for the this episode of the wrestling show was that, you know, they were, the wrestlers were in some 
small time league in Britain and uh, their league had been uh, bought by, you know, like a national televised uh, wrestling company. And, uh, but the part of the deal of the, the small indie wrestling scene uh, being uh, like merged into this larger scene is that one of the wrestlers uh, would have to be let go because there wasn't enough money to keep paying all of them. So, the conceit was whoever had the lowest audience score at the end of the session, their wrestler would get fired. And like, I, I like that idea, but like it, it's kind of built into the idea of you're doing episodes that, you know, you could do a season, which is what they call it exactly of a wrestling show where you start off, you know, with your first episode, you know, that in six sessions, you're going to be at whatever you're going to call it, you know, your ripoff of WrestleMania, you know, that is the the sixth episode is the big, you know, going for the title belt match is happening in that episode. So body slam o rama. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do like that like that idea is that you could do it's not like other games where a campaign is kind of as long as it is until they get to the boss and defeat him and save the country. This one is like, no, there's there's six episodes. And the sixth episode is Body Slamorama. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, one last thing uh, that I wanted to mention, not related to Worldwide Wrestling, is on. Uh, I've got to scroll back up to get the website right. On NDP Design, uh, NDPDesign.com, there is a couple of other games, and I just wanted to mention three of them that caught my eye. Um, because one of them I think we really do need to check out. And it's the first one that I've, I've listed here, which is it's a game called One More Thing, a two-player narrative tabletop game that tells compelling stories of criminals brought to justice in the finest tradition of TD de- TV detective dramas from the 1970s to today. Hmm. So playing as Columbo, basically. Uh, and then there's uh, two gothic, uh, one of them, yeah, both gothic horror uh, the first one is Imp of the Perverse, uh, a game of psychological horror and monster hunting in Jacksonian Gothic America. Inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe, the game centers on the struggle to overcome harmful impulses by hunting down those who have fully given into theirs and turned into literal monsters. Uh, and then there's also Annalise, a game for making gothic horror stories. You and your friends take on the roles of a shadowy shadowy creatures lovers allies and enemies what is watching you from the darkness why is it attracted to you how will the story end answer these questions for yourself with this game of pain hunger and redemption vampires yeah and like i think that some one of the things that i, I do have to say about uh because i think all of these i don't remember if they were all written by nathan paletta um but all four of the games, those three that I just mentioned in Worldwide Wrestling, they all have a very clear theme. You know, you know exactly what kind of game it is that you're going to be playing when you sit down with one of these rule sets. And I have to give a, uh, some applause for that because something I have run into with other games is that they don't really have a, a, a clear theme. So like you can tell so many kinds of stories. Like with the other uh, fantasy role-playing game, you can tell a gothic horror story or you can tell a comedy story or you can tell a fantasy hero epic adventure. Like there's so many types of stories that you can tell that it's kind of on you to come up with the scaffolding for those stories. Whereas if the other games follow worldwide wrestling, there is a scaffolding that you can follow to tell the kind of story that the game helps you tell. Yeah. The other game has the problem of being like, you can tell all these different kinds of stories. We only have the rules for one of those genres, though, really. <laughs> yeah. We have the rules for telling an epic adventure where you go from, you know, unknown peasant to savior of the universe. And th- th- that's the rules that we have. If you want to tell something else, well, that's what, you know, various sites that sell supplements are for. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I would say that, uh, you know, Warts and all, I would give Worldwide Wrestling seven chairs to the back of the head out of ten. Mm, sounds right, yes. <laughs> um, anything that... Uh, the I feel like this one was mostly just me talking, but it, anything... Before we, like, wrap up, wrap up, what, like, tell me things. What do you think? Um, Even if it's... I would, I would play it again. I would play it again with more people, I think. 
is a big thing. Um, I would also like maybe if you don't, if you're like me and you don't watch wrestling, but you want to play this game, like listen to a podcast, like an episode or two of a podcast about wrestling to like kind of get a feel for it and like, or like a clip show of something. Yeah. There, there has got to be a YouTube video or two out there that would be a really good, like, hey, before. And I think one thing is that this is a game much, much, much better suited to playing around a table with pizza than on. Oh, yeah. This is one of those games that really benefits from like miming the action that you're doing, which, when uh, at least when you're set up like us, where there's a microphone taking up a decent portion of your screen, kind of makes that, can make that difficult yeah um but yeah i would i think that's a a pretty good review would play again with more people yeah yeah you know what seven out of ten chairs to the back of the head potentially more if i'm playing with more people and i have moments because like part of the thing for me is like having moments where i can have downtime and be like i will watch my friends role play yeah which was not a possibility with just three (laughs) No, because I think this is something I should have touched on is that you can have NPC versus NPC matches, but the game tells you to hand control of those wrestlers to the players and they just they don't roll anything. They just narrate the match. But if you only have two or three players, they are constantly on. There is no downtime. Yep. Anyways, I think that's enough talking about wrestling and wrestling games. Uh, Yeah. So thanks again for listening to our show yeah we are proud members of the cave goblin podcast network find us and other shows at cavegoblins.com you can support us and our network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cave goblins or by joining our discord you can also support us by leaving a review on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to the show yes please review us we would appreciate it thank you (laughs) um also, you can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. You can find myself at Jesse Boros, or you can find Sean at Sean P. Hagen. And our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. Our work, art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros, who has a Kickstarter launching soon. I need to remember to give you a link, or to put a link in the show notes. <laughs> oh, but you can find her other work at HaleyBoros.com. Yep. And that's all for this episode. Hope to see y'all out there at the gaming table. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.